Hello, and welcome to the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Resnick. This episode is brought to you in part by Independent Pharmacy Alliance. IPA is a trade association and buying group representing 3,700 plus independent pharmacies, leveraging buying power to help pharmacies access pharmaceuticals at the best prices. IPA now offers a comprehensive third-party help desk, legislative advocacy, and continuing education free of charge to members. Learn more today at ipagroup.org. In this episode of the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast, we have a drugstore news article that recently came out. It's called Five Retail Pharmacy Trends for 2024. And since this is the first podcast episode of the year, myself and my producer, Zach, we thought this would make an excellent talking point for the pharmacy owners out there. So you can see what these trends are and maybe try to get ready for them. We're going to have this article available after the podcast on our website so you can download it and read it for yourself. But here are some interesting trends that you might want to watch out for if you're a pharmacy owner. Let's start with the very first one in this article. It's called Decelerating Economic Growth Could Pose Challenges. So a lot of us, like myself, were old enough where we lived through various times in this country where the economy has gone down. Recessions. I've lived through at least two or three recessions in my lifetime. You know, I've seen how difficult they can be. The one thing that this article is talking about, the 2024 outlook is that there will not be a recession, but they are predicting a possible slowdown in the economy. So slowdown in the economy isn't really good for anyone. But on the positive side, it might have a positive impact on labor, finding employees. So right now, we have a very low unemployment rate. It's hovering somewhere in the neighborhood of 3%. Most people want to find a job. They can find a job. So people are very picky and choosy right now. And that's a positive thing. But the negative part about that is, is that when we have an economy where so many jobs are available, it's hard for small business owners to find employees. And that's where a lot of pharmacists and pharmacy owners are finding themselves, at least the last couple of years after the pandemic, is that, yes, the economy may be good, but because the economy or the unemployment rate is very low, it's very hard to find employees. So one of the things that this article is talking about is at least there won't be any recession in this coming year. They're not predicting a recession. But what they are predicting is a decelerating economy where unemployment rate may increase, so you won't have as many jobs out there. But on the plus side, what might happen is that it may ease the labor burden on the small business owners and pharmacies. So you may find that in 2024, as the job market cools down a bit, you may see an increase in available employees or employees who are more willing to, let's say, look at an independent pharmacy and take employment at, let's say, an independent pharmacy. So, Anthony, I have a question, though. You said it'd be easier for independent pharmacies to find employees? Well, I think, you know, I'm no economic expert. I'm a lobbyist by trade, government affairs. But in my experience, I've seen state budgets where they have to balance the budget. And balancing the budget includes 
all sorts of things. They have to measure what the unemployment rate is, how much revenue is coming in, how much spending is going to be going out. So I've seen 25 years worth of state budgets come and go. And state budgets are heavily impacted by revenue, which is, you know, how much money the government is taking in, how much is going out, what the employment sector is like. So in this particular article, what they're talking about is, is that right now we have like a three and a half percent unemployment rate. That's very low. That means employment is very high. The negative thing about that is, or the thing that is not so good about having a low unemployment rate is that there are just fewer people to hire because most people are being very picky and choosy about what type of jobs they want. So when people go and interview on jobs in this environment, a low unemployment environment, they may go in on the interview and they say, well, you know, this place is okay, but I have a lot of choices. This place isn't for me. And for some small business owners, it makes it a very challenging environment to get employees because one, you can hire employees but in a labor market where there are lots of jobs available, they can pretty much quit almost any time because they're looking for better employment opportunities. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's absolutely the right thing to do. But it makes it challenging when you're a small business owner and you need some employee certainty. You want to have long-term employees for the health and safety of your business. So what can independent pharmacies do then to lure and keep that kind of talent. A lot of that is happening right now. A lot of independent pharmacy owners are looking at those pharmacists who have basically walked out, they burnt out on their jobs at these big box pharmacies because an independent pharmacy provides a better working environment for pharmacists and pharmacy techs. It's a smaller environment where the pharmacists and pharmacy tech can actually do what they were trained to do, take care of the patient. Most independent pharmacy owners, these are small businesses. They take care of their employees like their family. They know them by their first names. There's no huge bureaucracy to deal with. Your boss is the owner of the pharmacy. They're working with you most days side by side. So they get to know you. They get to know your family. They get to know you as a human being, as an individual, and what your hopes and goals are professionally and personally for the future. They also make it a family-friendly environment where if you need some time off, you can talk to them right there. They understand the challenges that you may be having with your children, with your health, with your family members, with your aging parents. So you can find a much more holistic environment to work in in an independent pharmacy. And I think many independent pharmacies are reaching out now to these workers who couldn't take the pressures of working at these big box pharmacies anymore. And these are pharmacists who still want to stay in the profession, but they want to work somewhere where it's more fulfilling to them professionally, but also personally. And I think what pharmacy owners should do, advertise, advertise what type of working environment you have, that it's a good working environment, that people who will come to work there will be happy, that it's family friendly. These are all things that people are looking for these days. Interesting. What are the other trends that we'll see coming up in this year? 
one of the most important trends that we're going to see coming up this year is the expansion of healthcare services. So we're seeing this come up in the independent pharmacy sector a lot. Pharmacists have a very hard time with pharmacy benefit managers. Pharmacy benefit managers or PBMs are the entities that pay pharmacies for their services. And in way too many instances, these reimbursement rates are just getting lower and lower, and it's getting harder and harder for an independent pharmacy to stay in business. So what have a lot of pharmacy owners done? A lot of pharmacy owners, because they want to be able to stay in business, they have diversified the type of business that they have. They're doing more than just dispensing prescriptions. Now, the majority of pharmacies, the majority of the revenue that they take in currently, and probably will always take in, will be from the dispensing of medications. But more and more pharmacies are trying to get more business that's not PBM related, that's not reliant on PBMs to reimburse them. What kind of business is that? You know, Zach, it's really amazing what I've seen some pharmacies do. They actually put health clinics, wellness centers, right in the pharmacy. Some of these wellness centers, they have doctors working out of the pharmacy, like actual physicians in the pharmacy. So it's like a one-stop shop where you can go and you can see a physician, and then you could talk to a pharmacist right in that pharmacy. I've seen others that have actually put wellness and nutritional centers in the pharmacy where you can go and talk to your pharmacist about the type of medications that you're taking, get medication therapy management, which is to learn how to take your medication properly. But at the same time, you can go talk to a nutritionist that's right in the pharmacy and let them put together a meal plan for you that will work in concert with the medications that you take so that your treatment plan is more effective. That sounds like a very good idea, but that also sounds expensive. I mean, obviously the pharmacists in the back already command a high salary, but trying to add a wellness doctor or add a nutritionist on staff, those all seem like expensive options, especially when the economy is getting so tight, like you were talking about before. And that seems plausible for like a big box store to do, but how can the little guy take advantage of some of these changes if you don't have as much capital as the big box stores or even the pharmacist who has more than just the one individual store? You know, I've been working for independent pharmacy, I guess, for almost a decade now. One thing that I've learned about independent pharmacists and independent pharmacy owners is that in order to get in this business, you have to be a bit of a risk taker. And that goes for any kind of business almost. But if you're going into business, especially a business like this, you're taking a risk. Everything you do is risky in some ways. You know, in order to open up a business, you have to usually take out a loan. You have to make decisions. You have to spend some money here to make some money there. And that's what I've seen with independent pharmacy owners is that they're constantly, they're not just pharmacists, but they're business people. And they have to constantly weigh the pros and cons of what they think will work in terms of bringing in revenue for their business. A lot of it has to do with what type of clientele they have, where the pharmacy is located. So you have to look at what the needs are in your community. If you're in a community that has a large Medicaid population, you're going to have a different type of patient population than, let's say, a community that has a very low Medicaid population. So each pharmacy specifically caters to the type of community where that business is located. You may be catering, let's say, 
to more senior citizens. Let's say you're located in a community that's more geared towards senior citizens, or you may be geared in a community where most people are, let's say, middle age, like I am, and still working, and are neither in Medicaid or in Medicare, but in a commercial plan. With pharmacy owners, it's a risky business. You have to know your clientele. You have to know what type of services that they're looking for. And then you put all those pieces together, and then you have to make a decision. What type of an expansion in healthcare services will work? Will a health clinic work? Some pharmacy owners have opened HIV clinics right in their pharmacy. Are you in a community, let's say, that has a population that needs these types of services? Are you in a community that, let's say, would need a nutritionist service? Let's say you have a high senior citizen population. A lot of senior citizens, they need to eat a good, healthy diet because as we get older, we need to eat better. I remember when I was younger, I ate whatever I wanted. But now as I'm getting a little bit older, I have to watch what I eat. If you're a pharmacy owner with an aging population, maybe it might make sense to put in a nutrition center within your pharmacy with a nutritionist. It sounds like what you're saying to me is that while the big box store is expanding and adding some of these features, what the independent pharmacy can do is be more nimble and specialized to that specific neighborhood. So while it takes a lot of people to decide you know, what kind of decisions and changes we're going to make and a lot of executives to make those decisions, the independent pharmacy has much less bureaucracy, so it can be much more nimble and much more specialized to what the neighborhood needs. You're 100% right, Zach. I got some really cool examples that I could share with you. I know one pharmacy who specializes in HIV care because they have a population that has a high HIV rate within that neighborhood. I have another pharmacy that put in a UPS store into their pharmacy because they just have a population where a lot of people just want to send out packages. They just noticed that a lot of people needed that service. So they put a UPS store in that pharmacy and that UPS store is doing almost as well or just as well as the actual pharmacy within that store. So being nimble and knowing the demographics and needs of the community can be extremely helpful as independent pharmacies look to expand their mode of business. That's 100% right, Zach. There are a lot of pharmacy owners who will also say, but you know, this all sounds good, but this is risky and this is going to take money. And unfortunately, in these kinds of instances with a business, you know what they say, Zach, no risk, no reward. And that's, that's kind of the way business goes. No risk, no reward. That's not usually how we say it around here. We usually say it, no risk it, no biscuit. That's good too. I like that one. I'm going to include that in my repertoire. I no like biscuit, it. no biscuit. Okay. No risk so it, no biscuit. <laughs> we've seen declining economic growth posing challenges. We've seen pharmacy labor pressures persisting and the expansion of healthcare services. What's the fourth trend as we head into 2024? So this is an interesting one. It's called the drug store footprint evolves. We're seeing more and more where these retail drug stores, they're being forced to rethink strategies in terms of their design, their floor plans. And one of the things that this article points out, we've seen a lot of big box stores who are actually closing around the country, big box pharmacies. Like CVS is planning to close 900 big box pharmacies. Rite Aid is closing up in a lot of different places. But why is this happening? 
One of the reasons is the PBM and reimbursements, the poor PBM reimbursements are also now impacting these particular pharmacies. These big box stores, because we've seen them pop up over the last two, three decades, like you've actually see a CVS next to, let's say, a Rite Aid right across the street from each other. They've gotten so big and there's so many of them that they just start eating each other up. They just gobbled up all the business right from underneath themselves. And so now these big box stores are looking to see how they can get smaller, leaner, and create a floor plan in their pharmacy that's easier to walk through. One of the things that this article is talking about is how a lot of these big box stores, when you go into a box pharmacy, it's hard to find some things. So what some of these big box stores are looking to do right now, they want to close a lot of their locations, but the ones that they're going to open up, they make them smaller, leaner, easier to be able to walk through. And a lot of pharmacy, independent pharmacies, if you walk into an independent pharmacy, they're always smaller usually than a big box pharmacy. So the floor plan is usually smaller. It's already the advantage of going to an independent pharmacy is that it's you can find all the same things in an independent pharmacy that you can find in a big box pharmacy, but it's already easier to find. But I've been to a bunch of independent pharmacies and some have great floor plans and some they need some help. So my advice is to an independent pharmacy that hasn't done a redesign of their floor plan in a long time, if it's been a good 10, 15, 20 years, and you haven't really redesigned your floor plan in a way that makes it easier for the customer to shop, start thinking about how you can spruce up your pharmacy. And there's all sorts of various services that can be provided on helping what's called your front-end business. Now, let me ask you, though. I'm an owner of an independent pharmacy. I've owned mine for 15 years. I haven't redesigned my space in 10. But I'm focused on the medication, the layout of the store, what items should go where, like that's not where my head is at. How can I, this pharmacist, fix my floor plan in a way that can help my overall business when this just isn't how my mind works? Well, well you know what? That's really interesting, Zach, because this article actually talks about that. And it goes back to what we were talking about previously. You have to know who your clientele are and the type of population that you have. So one of the things that you need to do with your floor plan is cater it to the type of patients and customers who live in that neighborhood and the specific type of patients that you have. Let's say your business is located in a more middle income area. People who are coming in more to, let's say, buy milk, eggs, things of that, not necessarily prescriptions, but they need like almost like a quickie mart in a way to come in and buy. You need to cater towards that population. But like you said, Zach, if you have a population where they're seniors, they're really more, they need more healthcare services, which in terms of prescription drugs, medication therapy management, which is counseling on how to take those prescriptions properly, then you have to cater your floor plan to that. I know this one pharmacy owner where his pharmacy is located in an area where you have a high concentration of senior citizens. Everyone that goes into that pharmacy is a senior. So his floor plan is specifically catered to that population. How so? It's an open floor plan where if you're walking into the pharmacy and you're a senior, 
you have no access issues, no problem to get from the door to the pharmacy. There are like no shelves or anything blocking your path. And you can clearly see the pharmacy right at the end. So this pharmacy owner designed his pharmacy in a way where all of the products, he has shelves, but they're all placed at the walls of the store so that seniors, when they're coming in, they have no access issues. So if they're coming in with a wheelchair or a walker, nothing is getting in their way to getting to the pharmacy at the end. And in terms of the products being on the walls and not actually having like shelving and pathways that are made with shelves, the pharmacists and pharmacy techs, they specifically go and get the product for the patient and bring it over to them. So they, they don't have to walk over and get that off the shelf. Everything in that pharmacy is specifically geared to make it easier for the patient. They can get in there with a wheelchair, with a walker, no problem. It's an open floor plan. They can go right back to the pharmacy, which is really close. As soon as you step in the door, it's like just a few steps down. There are chairs that are positioned right at the entrance. So if the senior comes in and they have a disability or they have any mobility issues, they can sit in the front and then the pharmacist can come and help them out in any way that they need. I think that's all a great idea. But like I said before, I'm a pharmacist. I'm a pharmacy owner. My brain doesn't work like that. How am I supposed to come up with these ideas? Is there a service? Is there a, someone I could talk to about this? Or is this just about connecting to my network of other independent pharmacies and talking ideas with them? How do I come up with a layout that makes sense for my customer base? You're absolutely right, Zach. So pharmacists are really busy. A lot of them don't have time to redesign their floor plans. They're running their business, but they're also taking care of their patients. But they have options. You have colleagues. They have a lot of colleagues in the business. If you have a minute, ask your friends who are in the business if they redesign their floor plans to send you maybe pictures, look at their stores online, on social media, see if that gives you an idea. Or there are vendors. There are vendors out there who will help redesign your pharmacy. I think that's great. It's great that you can talk to friends, or it sounds like you could just walk into a store and ask yourself, do I like the way this store is laid out? A lot of different ways to come up with ideas on how you can redesign your store. Okay, now I had a sneak peek at this, and this last trend seems to be directly in your wheelhouse. So, Zach, the fifth trend, and this is, of course, my favorite, is opportunities loom for PBM reform. It's a huge package right now, Zach. It's moving through Congress. This package has everything that will improve the business environment for independent pharmacies. It will improve drug pricing for patients, and it will improve PBM transparency. And that means knowing what you're paying for when you're going to the pharmacy counter, and pharmacists actually knowing what their true reimbursement rates are going to be. And not only knowing what their true reimbursement rates are going to be, but getting a fair reimbursement rate. And we've talked about all of that in the past before. So, And you've mentioned before that both parties want it. But this year, 2024, is also a presidential election year. Is yeah. that going to matter when it comes to passing these reforms? Yeah, 
100%. So if this package is going to get done, it's got to be done early this year, maybe by mid-year at best. It cannot hang around past early to mid this year, because if it does, the presidential election will just swallow it. It'll be gone, and you're going to have to wait till after the presidential election. This is the perfect time to pass this package. Everything I've been talking about for years, whether on this podcast or with other pharmacy owners, is in this package. NCPA, the National Community Pharmacists Association, they're on top of this. They want to get this moving. Patient groups, they want to get this moving. The only people that don't want to get this moving is big insurance and big PBMs. This thing is prime, Zach. It's prime to move. But there's only one thing that's going to get it to move. Us, voters, they have to call their federal rep, your congressman, your U.S. senators, and you have to tell them, hey, I know this package is moving through. I want you to sign on as a co-sponsor. I want you to vote in favor of it. I want you to go to leadership and tell them to post it before this election, presidential election, gets in full swing and nobody pays attention to anything. And you got to do it now. IPA, we've sent out notices about it. It's easy to do. It'll take five minutes of your time. We have links to take it to the National Community Pharmacists Association website. They'll send a form letter in for you. All you have to do is press a few buttons. You tell me, Anthony, how long is it going to take? It'll take you two, three minutes. But if you're a pharmacy owner or a patient listening to this, you have more skin in this game. You got a call as somebody who worked in the state legislature for politicians. There's nothing better than calling and not just calling once, calling a few different times, getting the name of the person that you spoke with. Always be polite getting to know who the staffer is that you spoke to and telling them, look, I'm a voter. I live in this congressional district, in the congressman's district, in the senator's district. I really need them to vote for this. And I'd like to get an answer. And let me tell you, if you call enough and you're respectful in the way that you approach it, you will get an answer, 100%. And that's the way politics works in the United States. If there's a public outcry for something, there will be movement. If they do not hear from you, nothing will happen. So it matters. It has to happen before summertime, basically. It sounds like what you're saying. Yeah, I would say April. We got to get those bills on the floor of the U.S. Senate and the House of Reps so they can vote it out of both houses and put it on the president's desk for his signature. It's got to happen early because once we get into the presidential race, we're in it now, but we're not in it 100%. But once we get towards uh, the middle of the year, nobody's going to be able to concentrate on anything. That's why it's got to happen early. Otherwise, it's going to have to wait until next year. And there are a lot of unknowns. You may have the same president, but you might have a new president. And it looks like this election is going to be close. So there's no way to predict what's going to happen. And so we like the bill that's on desk right now. Yeah. So if we want this bill and not a watered down version or a different version of it, it's imperative that you call your senators, your representatives, contact them using the IPA website, 
you can contact them that way, but it has to get done. And you're saying it has to get done before April. Before April. And if you're a New Jersey store, a New York store, a store that's somewhere on the East Coast, you can sign up for IPA's monthly update, which is a newsletter. And in the next edition, which is going to come out probably next week or so, we're going to have all that information for you. Top story. The link where you can go to send in that letter to your U.S. Senator and your House of Representative representatives, and also the phone numbers. That link will take you to all their phone numbers, so you can call them. And I'm telling every pharmacist and pharmacy owner, you got to do this ASAP, A-S-A-P, because if we want this to move, it's got to be done now. And you got to call early, and you got to call often. All right. So we'll be looking for that newsletter. Not only is it great that it has independent links, but I think you write your joke of the month in there. So like that's just an added bonus. Will that be featured in this month's news article? Absolutely. Anthony's joke of the month? Yeah. Uh, Joke of the month is going to be in there. That's always what I look forward to the most. I mean, first, number one, I want, you know, the things that will help my business and, you know, keep me informed as a a member of the independent pharmacy movement, but number two is Anthony's joke of the month. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm a wannabe comedian, but all I have is dad jokes. Got That's it. really all I got. Well, we're looking forward to that. All right, so those were the five trends that people can look forward to in 2024. Thank you for sharing those with us, Anthony. Thanks for listening to the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast. This podcast was made possible by the Independent Pharmacy Alliance and the president and CEO, John Giampolo. It was produced and edited by Zach Stone with music by Marcus Way. For previous and future episodes, check out ipagroup.org. Thank you very much. Bye for now.